It's hard to believe that after nearly five years in the Proteus test team, he is still only 24 years old. It feels like Kajiso Robada has been part of our cricketing enjoyment forever, yet the exciting news is that he still has years ahead of him to terrorise batsmen and rewrite South Africa's bowling records. He was a schoolboy phenom who dominated under-19 cricket, but unlike so many who are touted as future greats and then fall away under the pressure of senior professional cricket, Robada has improved at every level. It's a rare athlete that gets better as the levels rise and the opposition improves. Right now, the coronavirus pandemic is robbing Kakisa of more chances to write more records, but his time will come. And while he prepares behind closed doors under lockdown, he has taken time out to join the Maverick Sports Podcast this week. I'm Craig Gray, and it's a great pleasure to face Kakisa via technology and not from 22 yards away. Sometimes something can spark you and then you just become something else. Oh, knocked him over with a beauty. Courageous ball from Rabada. Yeah, I think that's what Dupacy was hoping for when he brought Rabada into the tackle. And now they've got two. Yeah, he just keeps coming at you, really strong, really fit, and just really smart. He's got all the balls. He's a bowler that looks like he's kind of angling the ball in, but takes the ball away from the batsman. And yeah, fast bouncer and fast yorker, so he's got a lord. Oh, that has got the Australian captain. A little bit of swing there. Just the heaviness of his ball and the way he just runs in all day. You know, he's quite raw, but he, um, you know, he's got a, a good set of skills. Oh, is that Welcome to the show. KG, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you, guys. Thanks for the introduction. Kakisa, just taking it onto the cricket field, I did a piece before you know, COVID nineteen became the big issue it is, but it, it, it was just about the time you guys were about to tour India, and you actually did go to India and then come back. Uh, the, the Proteus team, and uh, we had the England team saying they weren't going to shake hands on their Sri Lankan tour. And one of the pieces I did was what can players pass coronavirus through yeah, spit on the ball? Because you guys use saliva, sweat, whatever you can to shine the ball in a, in a cricket match. And, uh, you know, the, the general feeling from the medical experts I spoke to, and they were some senior infectious disease people, they said sort of theoretically it could, it could be passed that way. But, you know, practically it was probably unlikely. Is that something that's come up in discussion with you guys in terms of wellness, specifically for cricket? I wouldn't know what the players were being briefed on at that time because at that time I was injured. Yeah, you were injured. So I got injured at the right time. <laughs> yeah. But is it something you thought about? I mean, you guys, yeah, obviously playing contact sport, you, there's sweat and spit being out there. There's all sorts of ways to, to catch the, the virus. Yeah, it just increases the chances. I mean, that's what comes to my head. It increases the chances of you of you catching the virus. Yeah. Yeah, so I think it does make sense. and. Since people do shine the ball and the ball is tossed around and everyone can hold the ball, that's definitely not social distancing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so are you, uh, are you the joker in the team, KG? I wouldn't say so. I would say Dean Alga is. Really? But I've got my moments. Opening batsmen don't strike you as, as guys who <laughs> play it up in the team. They seem like the serious guys who've got to face the new ball. They've got to face people like you. Yeah, no, Dean is extremely <laughs> funny. <laughs> I suppose you've got to have a sense of humor in that position. Yeah. Getting on to the cricket, KG, I mean, you were, when did you sort of realize that 
cricket was a way forward. I mean, did you? How many other sports did you do at school, and what was the kind of your path at school? Were you always a cricketer, or were there other sports that took your interest? Yes, I played um, rugby, but I stopped there quite early. I did athletics as well and football, but I, I don't know. Cricket was just the one I wanted to play either like in any sport at international level, but cricket just happened naturally to be the one, you know. I wasn't trying really hard at any any sport really to, to you know, I wasn't really focusing hard, hard, hard on any sport. Uh, cricket was just the one. It just naturally happened that way. What age were you when you came to that realization? I would say probably about 16. Okay. Were you always a bowler? I mean, I know at school you probably were an all-rounder or something, probably batted quite a high up the order as well. Everyone knew that I could bowl fast, but everyone knew that I could bat as well. So I would just, even at like Coke week or Cubs week, you know, you'd win a few games for the team, batting at seven, eight around there. And then at school, um, sometimes, you know, I'd float. Sometimes I'd go five, sometimes I'd go six, seven, around there. I've always been around seven, eight, coming in at the back end and like almost finishing. Yeah. You bat left-handed. Are you are you right-handed naturally or left-handed naturally? I'm right-handed naturally. Okay. So where did the left-handed batting come from? I don't know. Like I just picked up a bat and I just batted left-handed. Really? I, I didn't think about it. Yeah. And, and, and I don't know, do you play golf at all? I play golf right-handed. Oh, you play golf right-handed. Jeez. <laughs> It's quite a thing. So it was just, I mean, I know left-hand batsmen generally look more elegant. Did they have anything to do with it? <laughs> Not at all. I just picked the bat up and then, yeah. Felt good. That's, a, that's interesting. And your school career, you, you, you obviously made the, the Lions team uh, get into the under-19 setup. That World Cup, the 2014 under-19 World Cup, was sort of your breakthrough. You wouldn't have thought it was a natural conditions. Maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but the UAE is not renowned for being fast bowler friendly, the pitches. How were those pitches? Because you took 14 wickets in the tournament and that sort of set you up uh, for what was to come. Were the pitches hard work? Oh, Generally at ICC events, they, they even, I think they, they, they prepared the, the conditions. The pitches weren't too bad. You know, they weren't, they weren't that flat at all. You could score runs, but they weren't, they weren't flat. So I think that helped. What are your takeaways from that tournament? I mean, obviously you took six wickets in the semi-final against Australia, which is it's always great to get one over the Aussies. But uh, you know, was that the standout? Obviously, statistically, it was the standout. But for you, was that the sort of standout moment in in that tournament? Yeah, personally, I would say so, um, because you know you you were there and you know you you performed and you were in your own head at that stage. You had you know that perspective. You you did this. But I think um, that tournament was just extremely amazing because of what we had accomplished as a team. We didn't lose a game and we had a different man of the match for every single game that we played. Really? So that just tells you yeah. how we were performing as a team. Yeah. There was not one person who got man of the match more than once. That was really amazing. And it was a really special team. Yeah, that was a, a really an amazing time. Going to Dubai as well. As a 19-year-old and experiencing like the lavishness there was also something to withhold. <laughs> Did you like it, or is it just something you wanted to see but you wouldn't do it again? <laughs> Dubai, I mean. Um, I'll definitely go back to Dubai. Dubai is, is awesome because of how how advanced it is. I mean, all the princes and what the sheikhs—they've just got so much money for oil that they just mm. <laughs> always something new there. 
So it's a fascinating place in that in that regard. Yeah, definitely a place that you you know, want to go visit. <laughs> and, and I mean, a lot of that team, uh, the under nineteen team, uh, Aidan Markham, of course, was captain, and he's come through. There's probably a few guys that have come through at provincial level. I can't think besides you and Aidan, anyone else who's come out of that team. Is there are, are there a few others? Andile, Petrokwai. Oh, Petrokwai, okay. Andy was supposed to get, be there, but then he got injured. Right. Yeah, the, and then there's a few players who are still playing franchise cricket. And and so you come back from that tournament, and obviously that's a big a big moment for South African cricket because you know, the senior team has struggled at ICC events in terms of winning them, so it was a great sort of moment for South African cricket that we won an ICC event. But immediately that puts pressure on you and Markram and, and a few others. Uh, because you performed so well, how did you sort of absorb that pressure? How, what was your feeling like? Yeah, I can do this because uh, you clearly can. Your record subsequently shows it. But did you feel under pressure coming out of that tournament, and now you have to sort of be the next big thing? Oh uh, no, not at all. There, you're still buzzing with excitement to actually want to be in, in, in the top leagues. That's, that's when you just want to get going and playing international cricket. Well, that's what I felt. It came quite soon after that, didn't it? Your T20 debut. It was one year. <laughs> okay, yeah, one year. Yeah, it was actually 25. So what was your sort of path immediately after the 2014 World Cup? You, you played for the Lions and you sort of gradually got it your way into the test, into the, the Proteus setup. Is that right? Yeah, so I remember we finished playing around January. Yes, if I'm not mistaken. Played franchise cricket for about six months. I think it was five. Yeah. Then I got chosen. So actually it was it was like six months until I got chosen. Yeah. To go to Australia. Wow. Then I went to Australia and I remember I just felt extremely liberated to be playing. It's just what I've always wanted to do, so it just happened. I mean Australia is obviously the, the arch enemy for South Africa. Did that sort of live up to your expectations of, of the kind of atmosphere you would you would find? I think growing up and watching that Australian team, you know, they were they were the enemy and it was always nice to beat them. It was just nice to look up to that team. I mean, they were good for cricket. Yeah, yeah. they had an amazing team. They 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 were setting the standard uh, in those times. And I was like, you know, I want to play in Australia. And I made my debut there. And I was like, oh, this is all I want. This is uh, what I've always wanted to do. So I felt really, just really free and just tried to let it rip. Yeah, yeah. And I mean. It, it was a slowish start. I suppose T20s are difficult, but you, you didn't get a wicket in your first match. You got a wicket in the second match in Melbourne, the MCG. That must have been yeah, a hell of a moment, your first international wicket. Who was it? It was Glenn Maxwell. Okay, so a good wicket in that in that format of the game. Yeah, he just I think he, he tried to give himself room and try to like, oh, I don't know what you'd call that shot. But I mean, <laughs> he's played a lot of those and succeeded. <laughs> <laughs> As a fast bowler, what's your mindset? Are you before we get into your test career and everything? I mean, when you were emerging as a fast bowler, is it just purely I want to get the ball from A to B as fast as I can? Was that your initial mindset, and the control and the nuance come a bit later? Um, no, not necessarily. I always knew control was really important, and then as you play more, you need to use a lot of tactic. Mm. But at the, at the end of the day, it's about keeping it simple. Just as Jack Callis would say hit the top of off and that's what you try and do most of the time and then the more experience you get the more you can apply your learnings and adjust from time to time according to what you feel needs to be adjusted you play white ball cricket for south africa you're obviously playing franchise cricket four day stuff three day stuff you then get the call up to the test team 
in uh, late 2015, which is a massive moment. But I suppose it's a, it's a double-edged sword for a fast bowler because it's it's to India, <laughs> and you've got to play tests in India, which is a bit of a graveyard for fast bowlers. Uh, and that must have been a slog. I mean, Mahali, the first time he played, you know, you really toiled there. Tell us about that experience, just the sort of the, the build-up to the call-up. Where, where, where did you hear the news you were going to be part of the test team and, and sort of what was your initial reaction? I remember there was a scheduled tour to India and people were waiting uh, to be, you know, elected. And um, I remember Andrew Hudson was still the convener of selectors. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, he gave me a call and he was like, um, yeah, you've been chosen uh, for all three formats to go to India. So I was like, okay, great. This is amazing. Mm-hmm. We started off in the T20s. We we won that series convincingly. We the ODI we played an ODI, ODI series, and that was one of that's my top top three series I've ever been involved in. Um, Why is that? Because we, we both South Africa had a great team. India had a great team. Mm-hmm. Um, it was my first time playing in India in front of such big crowds. And it was just the intensity was just so high. Uh, we we won the first game, they won the second game, we won the third game, they won the fourth game, we won the fifth one. Wow, so it was yeah. amazing. We won it in Mumbai, which is a fantastic arena, Mumbai. Yeah. Now with all the fans screaming, I remember the one time we played. I think it was I think it was indoor, the third ODI. I remember Dale was bowling the first over, and I was bowling the second one. Hmm. And as he was running in for the first ball, because I don't think India play much cricket there, so it was packed, and it was actually a very cool stadium. Yeah, it was quite modern, so it seated a lot of uh, people. Yeah, they were they were screaming so loud that I couldn't hear, I, I couldn't hear, I couldn't hear myself breathe. Wow, you know when they say noise is deafening. Yeah, <laughs> that that definitely was deafening noise. I remember running into bowl. Normally, you can hear your own footsteps mm. when you run the ball. I couldn't hear any of that. Yeah. And then I remember I got a wicket. I think I got Rohit Sharma out bold. And yeah. then this noise just disappears. <laughs> <laughs> just silence. <laughs> you can hear a pin drop. <laughs> and then, they, then they, they get a single <laughs> or a two. Then the crowd erupts again. And then you start doubting. You're like, whoa. Are we losing this game? You look at the scoreboard, you're like, no, we're clearly in front here. <laughs> so that was quite an experience. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it sounds like India, and, and, and obviously subsequently you'll go play some IPL. We'll talk about that in a moment as well. But that must have been a great introduction to, to the subcontinent and probably those ODIs and T20s. I mean, that got you into the culture of India and what to expect. And did the test debut still feel different though, after even after those experiences? We're a very successful team. and. Every time we lose, it, it really hurts because we take pride in winning, especially at that time. The team had been really successful in, 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 the, in the test run. We were not the number one team in the world. And we didn't lose uh, when we were overseas. And, you know, that was a talk in the change room. The first test match, I remember, you know, we knew they were going to create dust balls. They were under pressure to win. Yeah. If they, if they created good wickets, I think we would have beaten them. We were coming off on a yeah, the first test we we lost the toss. They batted first. They scored about two hundred. We batted second. Uh, we we matched their score. Then they batted on and they set us two hundred to win. But on a day four wicket in India, needing to win. Yeah, 
I don't know, more often than not, the bowling side is going to come out on top. Yeah. So I felt as if if we had won that toss, things would have been different. We would have been um, in a better position to win that match. And then if we did win that match, I don't think they would have made the wickets as dusty in the other venues. And we would have been, you know, in the game much more. That's what I think. Yeah. Because now the we're going to be under pressure. We're going to say, oh, well, we can't even play in our own conditions. So what are we going to do now? So I think a lot, a lot relies on the toss, especially for that first match. Yeah. They knew. They, they, they had the confidence and they were like, you know what? We're going to keep doing this. And guess what? They didn't lose the toss. They didn't lose the toss. They just kept winning. I mean, cricket's one of those strange games where the toss is so vital. I mean, even last year's tour to India, in October last year, um, you guys lost all three tosses and you actually batted pretty well in the in the first test, I think you got over 400 in, in reply to their, their big first innings. But you're always on the back foot, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. And that's the toss is important. I don't want to make it an excuse. Maybe we didn't bowl to our best. I know I, didn't, I haven't had the best year. You know, I feel like I've been quite average, to be honest. Are you talking about this current year or that in, back in 2015? You're talking about now? This current year, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, those losses... You need to look on them, and it's it's actually remarkable to be a part of something like that. I know we lost, but it was quite remarkable just to experience that. Mm. Totally different conditions. Like it was just surreal that how everything just unfolded. Yeah. But we came we came out of that tour with some confidence with what we have done in in India. We had never won a one day series in India before, and I'm really 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 proud to be a part of that tour and a part of that team um, for what we did. You were talking about uh, Rahani there. Do you guys get on quite well with the Indians off the field? Yeah. I suppose the Australians are maybe different, but the Indians? <laughs> There's no uh, bad blood, at least on my end. Yeah. Um, it's just on, on the field, I mean, it's competitiveness. Of course. It's just competitiveness. When you grow up uh, used to dominating, and then you get to higher levels, and you want to carry on dominating, and you realize that people are starting to match you and you're like, okay, okay, yeah, this is the contest. Let's go, let's go. And you feel that way and so does your opponent. Yeah. So it's just 22 players who are feeling that way. Yeah, absolutely. That uh, India series, you come home, you got England in South Africa and you make your home debut in Cape Town and then Johannesburg, your home ground, you take a Pfeiffer. That must have been a pretty special moment. That was uh, amazing. Uh, especially to do it at my home stadium where we've been going. We've been going there since, you know, we we're about 15. Yeah. And you had dreams of playing there. It was quite fitting that that's where I got I got my five, actually, my first ever five, uh, test five. Yeah. Something that I always cherish. The Wanderers always strikes me as a, as, a, as a good venue because there's something in it for the fast bowlers, but the batsmen can also, if they can get in, they can yeah, score runs, quick outfield, lovely outfield, good pitch. Is, is it one of those grounds that does really offer that fair contest, in, especially in the longer form of the game? Oh, yeah. It's definitely uh, a result round. Uh, very seldom you get draws at the Wanderers. It's almost like you can score runs, but you're never in. Yeah. Runs come quickly. They're going at four and over here, but wickets fall as well. So it's one of those grounds. Especially one-day cricket, it's just, there's a there's always something exciting happening at the Wanderers. A bowler can bowl a good bouncer, and 
whistles past the, the batsman's ear and then next ball batter could get a top edge at, 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 at altitude the ground is quite small mm. and the ball just flies so there's always something to behold and generally the ball the ball is just generally in the air and it's just like people diving and oohs and ahs so yeah definitely <laughs> when it comes to one day cricket being in that atmosphere when it's packed it's something really, really, really amazing. Yeah, people get excited for that for the pink day. <laughs> yeah, that's a great that's a great occasion, isn't it? That pink day. Yeah, it's become a thing now as well, hasn't it? It's become a huge thing. <laughs> yeah, it's become it's become amazing. Yeah, just witnessing a packed crowd at the Wanderers is amazing. And Newland, Newlands is great for test matches. I mean, Newlands, the fans are quite religious when it comes to their cricket. Yeah, so I felt. In test matches, the vibe is always better at Newlands. Although the Wanderers is picking up, and so are the other grounds as well. But in general, all the, all the grounds in South Africa are really great because they come with their own unique feature. About a year into your test uh, career, you go to Perth, or you go to Australia, and you play Perth. Now, you must have been excited about playing at Perth because even though the wacker maybe changed, and I don't know, was that at the new stadium that you played, or was it still the wacker? Your your first visit to Perth. Still the wacker. Well, still the wacker. Yeah, and that they, they of course had the. Um, the reputation has been the greatest pitch for fast bowlers. I mean, the wicket keeper standing 25 meters back and taking it above his head. How excited were you when you uh, got to Perth and you knew about the reputation of the wacker? It was just exciting to you know to, to to try it out. It is a quick wicket and there's some good bounce. Also, it's nice to bat on as well. So generally in Australia, it's very good cricket wickets. Yeah, there's good bounce. There's a little bit of something there. Yeah, not too much, not too little, but. If you if you apply yourself, you can you can score runs. So it was exciting, especially playing test matches in Australia. That was quite something. Uh, such a rich vein of history, and especially the Wacker as well. There's just so much history there. Yeah. People talk about the the nets at the Wacker. Oh yeah. Yeah, there was quite nice bowling in there. The ball just flies. <laughs> it's, it's quite remarkable to see. I don't know how much of a cricket historian you are. If you've, if you've, uh, yeah, you sort of heard of Lily and Thompson, the two Aussie quicks from the seventies. Jeff Thompson was obviously one of the the fastest. Have you watched that uh, documentary Fire in Babylon about the West Indies team, uh, the great fast bowlers from the West Indies? Because I know Michael Holding. You know, do you are you inspired by those guys? <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. You know, I love I love watching. Um, the OGs, I call them, um, <laughs> the Lindy, the Thompsons, the Holdings, the the Marshalls, all of them. It's they, it's great to watch. Mm. Also, I just like how raw cricket was, you know, back in the day. Uh, yeah, it's just so organic, yeah. and I love I love that organic uh, nature of the game. Things are, are quite modern now. The way the game's played is quite modern, but a lot of a lot of things, you know, they stay. That rawness of the game stays. Yeah, that's that's what I love. That's what I love about watching players in those times. I mean, the protective gear is obviously one of the the features that's changed. I mean, in the seventies, you get guys getting hit in the head by yeah these bowlers that were as quick as you are, and that's obviously pretty dangerous. So, uh, I guess as a batsman, you you like the protective gear, but uh, as a bowler, I suppose does it eliminate a little bit of the intimidation factor? Uh, or are you happy to see batsmen protected? I think it's important now, especially um, with what happened with Philip Hughes. And yeah. So it's extremely important now that uh, players are protected. And what's your mindset when you're bowling? I mean, when you're going in and you bowl a guy bouncer, so you know there's a chance you could hit him, could hurt him. 
And as you said earlier, you're in the competitive moment of the game. That's all about yeah, winning, and there's nothing wrong with that. When you're bowling a bouncer, you trying to hurt a guy, or you just trying to intimidate him. Um, sometimes you try, sometimes to hurt, <laughs> to just get him thinking twice. Yeah. Sometimes to scare him. Sometimes it's just to make him like force an error. So a bouncer is not just there to hurt someone. It's there, you know, to get batsmen in two minds. Yeah. What is he going to do now? Or to get the batsman to try and pull one. Mm. If he's a compulsive puller, you'll change the line of the bouncer. You'll change yeah, the line. You'll, you'll, fiddle, you'll fiddle around with that. Just because what you want to do is get the batsman out. Yep. Not all the time when you're looking to impose yourself and make the batter scared. No. If he's out, he's out. He can be the bravest guy ever. But if he's out, he's out. He has a clip of uh, Captain Faf Duplessis talking about your ability with the ball and your ability to move the ball. The skill in which he um, does make the ball talk in both directions. Both teams have got high-class swing about reverse swing bowlers. Um, but what makes KG for me so special is he does it both ways at pace and he doesn't give a lot of bad balls away. And I honestly still think that KG will get better. I'm really excited to see what's going to happen uh, in his future. When you're bowling, I mean, I know most bowlers have a, a slower ball, uh, yeah, a few variations, the way swinger, the end swinger, and you pretty adept at all that do you do you keep one back a, a quicker one like you know if you're bowling at sort of an average of 143 or 44 do you have the one where you really can surprise the batsman putting your back into it um yeah i mean most most of the time you you try and get the ball in a good area without using too much energy and then you do get your effort balls especially if you want to surprise a batsman with a Yorker or surprise him with a quick bouncer. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely sometimes you would put in the effort ball. A guy who does that really well is, is Dale Stain. He knows how to play with his picks uh, really well. Yeah. And that just comes from experience. Are there any particular batsmen you just love getting out? I mean, I suppose there's the obvious run, the run scorers, the opposition batsmen that you need their wicket to, to give yourself a chance of winning. But are there any guys that you go, that's the guy I really want today or in this series, I want him to be my bunny? Uh, generally, that, for me, that's the best player on the team uh, um, to try and get them out. Yeah. And to, yeah, to compare myself to the best in the world. I want to. I want to play against the best, and that's only going to improve my game. And that that's a nice challenge for me. And I suppose two of those guys you've got out and had your moments with, with Ben Stokes and at Lords and Steve Smith at St George's. Those incidents were probably blown out of proportion, but uh, in a way. But uh, that was that competitiveness you t- you spoke about earlier, just coming out. It was like getting two big wickets in in big matches, wasn't it? Yeah, that's the competitiveness, and you know. Back in the old day, look, I'm not making excuses, right? I'm just saying just how it is. Yeah. There was a lot of that back in the day. And I'm talking, I would say, 10 years ago. You know, that was, that kind of stuff happened. But just, it's just right now, the rules, um, there's rules right now. And obviously, you have to work your way around them. Faf Duplessis came to your defense after the Steve Smith uh, shoulder charge incident. Yeri is telling us his version of events. To swear at players and to chirp them all the time. For me, you know, if you look at the way Koji plays the game, he's a competitive fast bowler and and he works bloody hard. Um, He runs in and he bowls quick for long periods of time. And when he gets big wickets, that's celebration. You know, that's energy, that's passion. For me, it's pure passion that he shows when he gets a wicket. Obviously, these days, the, the attention has changed so much to what, what is allowed and what is not allowed and what is within the spirit of the game and what isn't. I just think that has changed so much over the last year or two that you're getting a lot more 
incidents happening now than before. You know, two, three years ago, that was the norm. It's certainly a huge boost when the captain's got your back like that. Yeah, 100%. It is quite stupid, the fact that, you know, I didn't, I'm not thinking about it because I could get banned. That means I'm letting the team down, letting myself down. But it just, I feel it just takes away from the, you know, the rawness of cricket. Yeah. You understand that there is a line, like I'm not going to go assault anymore. You know what I mean? Sure. And at the same time, I do understand why why some of those rules are, are set in place. But for me, that was just me being real, you know, was, um, me get, take getting my passion out, you know? Absolutely. And I mean, the game would be a much poorer place if players have that taken away from them. And I think everyone who plays it, your opposition, I mean, they might say in the media they might have a chip, but they understand the nature of the game. I mean, they, they're in the game. So I'm sure Steve Smith and Ben Stokes didn't have an issue with it afterwards, did they? Uh, no. Ben Stokes has, has been a culprit of that a couple of times. Steve Smith absolutely a culprit of that as well. You know, they have their ways to do it. And Ben Stokes is a bit, he wears his heart on his sleeve. But like a guy like Smith, you know, he would do that, you know, under, under the rap. So, yeah, I mean, it's just about, I guess channeling it in the right way. So there's that competitiveness that yeah. a lot of players have. You know, I'm not going to complain if a player sends me off in that regard unless he's getting personal or whatever. Then, you know, mm. at, at the end of the day, it only makes you want to get one over your opponent next time you get together. Yeah. You know, but off the field, fine. You can have a beer and talk about it. Yeah, yeah. And laugh. <laughs> and a guy like Smith, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, he scores a, a million runs, but he, it's his technique. He's got all these weird quirks and twitches. And does that frustrate you as a bowler? Because, you know, when a guy's a beautiful, correct batsman, like a Brian Lara or someone, and, you know, you beat him with the outside edge. But with Smith, there's all this flapping and moving. And it, it must be quite a, you know, it must be quite irritating as a bowler as well, just watching all that movement. No, I don't mind, actually. Like I said, your job is to get the, the, bat, the batsman out. If you're not getting him out, yeah, you can get you know a bit irritated. <laughs> yeah. I'd hate to be at, at the receiving end of that if he scores like a 200 or something. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but I don't think that really gets to my head mm-hmm. all his gimmicks and twitchy behavior. Yeah. <laughs> at the end of the day, it's about getting him out or one of my other teammates getting him out. And Kahiso had a slightly difficult summer, but it, it ended on a, on a fairly good note for the Proteas with those uh, series uh, against England and, and, and so on. But uh, the new coaching staff, new director of cricket, we don't know when we're going to get back on the field, unfortunately. Uh, how are you feeling about the future of South African cricket Yeah, uh, taking coronavirus out of the equation for the moment? Are you in a good space and feeling confident? Yeah, I feel we're in the, in the transition phase and we're starting to find our feet again. That win over Australia would have given us plenty of confidence to, you know, to believe that we can, we can compete against the best. The nice thing about a young team is that we can start to forge a team that is going to, that has the potential to, to, to dominate cricket in the, in the upcoming years because we are a young team being exposed to high quality experienced players. Now you got players in there like myself, like Quinny, like a few other young players. Aiden is there, Andil is there, Lungi, yeah, uh, David in there, and it's not like we're old. You know, we 
we're young and we've been playing uh, international cricket for quite some time. So that does help in terms of experience and in terms of building a team that is that is solid. And then the, the new guys coming in, you know, they can find their way and they have the talent and they have the work ethic. It's just about, you know, finding their, their feet in international cricket. And that is happening quite nicely. If you look at the amount of fast bowlers that are also coming in, um, it's something that is uh, quite remarkable to see. And it, it's, 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 it's hope. Well, it looks like uh, you did turn the corner against Australia. It's a great future ahead of us. And hopefully uh, we'll, you'll be part of it for a, for a long, long time. Thanks so much for joining us on the Maverick Sports Podcast today. Keep up the good work there. This podcast is made possible by our Maverick Insiders. Please consider becoming part of our Maverick Insider community where for a nominal fee every month, you are supporting quality independent journalism. You also get some cool benefits such as Uber vouchers when the coronavirus pandemic subsides and engagement with our journalists thrown in. Please go to dailymaverick.co.za forward slash insider to sign up and become part of the Maverick Insider community. Also remember to sign up to our Maverick Sports newsletter, which hits your inbox on a Monday and never miss another podcast by signing up via your favorite platform. I'm Craig Gray. Thanks so much for joining us this week.